conference in Hot Springs, um, the power of God moved there. I've been I've been a part of that for many years, but I've never seen, I don't think, the anointing of God like it was this past week. Uh, the uh, night evangelist, Brother Johnson, uh, first time that he'd ever been with us, he didn't. He's not a part of our association. Uh, he is um, uh, a member of the UPC, uh, matter of fact. So he didn't know nobody. So nobody could claim he knew anything when the spirit of prophecy began to co- come up on him and he began to prophesy to people, calling people out, reading their mail like, you, like nobody's business. Um, I called called one brother out, and um, um, he said, uh, "He said, Lord showed me you got prostate cancer. Is that right?" And uh, he said, "Yeah." And he, went, he said, "Come on up here." And he came up here. He said, "You had prostate cancer. God has healed you. You don't have it no more." <laughs> and that's that was just just a short testimony of some of the things that we heard. Uh, and um, how God moved in the uh, uh, prophetic in a, in a mighty powerful way. And uh, I feel like that the reason for, for this is that God, amen, is trying to uh, uh, put his body together and um, help us to reach out and attain the things that we've been leaving out. Uh, and uh, which is vital and necessary if we're going to um, um, uh, survive in this world that we're living today. Hallelujah. But like I said, it is always it's good to be in service and get filled yourself, but it's always good to be back, uh, be back home. We will be in service tonight, 6 o'clock. Pastor will be, Lord willing, Pastor will be, ministering tonight um try to um, to be here next sunday is the fifth sunday uh and so there will not be a sunday night service next week uh, we do not have sunday night service on the fifth sundays so um try to be here this evening one other thing i want to share with you uh, before i get into the message um brother uh, nathan Lowe, he is a um pastor in Litchfield, Kentucky, and um, uh, a brother we have known for many years, and um, he is a um, 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 one of the most, as far as knowledge and educated men I think I've ever come in contact with. Matter of fact, he, he holds a, a, a PhD in theology. And he got together um, with the association and um, wrote and put out a book on the apostolic uh, doctrine of, of the Godhead. And um, um, I looked through one of them and I found that it was written very well. And uh, written, uh, he come down uh, uh, to uh, the average man's level. Uh, to where you can understand it. If you've ever wanted to know 
uh, more about uh, uh, the Godhead and um, the difference between how apostolics teach and uh, uh, Trinitarians. Uh, this is a good uh, a study guide. I, I, I went ahead and purchased um, uh, five of them so that the supply is limited. They're, lay, they're laying on the table out front. We're not trying to make no money on them. Uh, we're just selling them back. What uh, We paid for them $15 each. And um, if you'd like to get one, pick one up. And um, you can just uh, pay Sister Kessie. And um, if you want to do um, more study, amen, about um, that uh, subject, it will uh, be a, um, a good guide to you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to get into the Word today. We've been praying and seeking um, the mind of the Lord. And I don't have to let you know that we are living in some very hard times, troubling times. And... Um, I have a have a prayer request. How many has um, heard on the news about uh, the capsizing of that boat in uh, Branson, Missouri? Um, and uh, it's a, a one of them duck boat tours. They have them down in Hot Springs. Uh, they had one sink down there several years ago, uh, and um, there's one. Uh, a storm came up and one capsized there uh, outside of Branson. And of all the people that were killed and drowned, nine members of one family. A whole family was on vacation, and uh, they that's where they went to. And nine members were all drowned. And uh, these were apostolic people, baptized in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost-filled people, um, went to apostolic church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where they lived. So be much in prayer for that church and um, that family. Uh, it rains on the just and the unjust, amen? Uh, we are here this morning worshiping and praising God, but you don't know where you might find yourself this time tomorrow. Amen. That's why I like to try every time I go to the house of God, when I leave, uh, I like to try to make sure that I have put my all in worship of my king. Because I don't know, this could be my last time. It could be your last time. Amen. And God deserves our best in our worship and everything else we do. Uh, he deserves our best. We're going to get into the Word this morning. We're going to be going to uh, the book of Ephesians. Hallelujah. Chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in verse 11 and down through verse 13. This is what it reads like. Wherefore, remember 
that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Calling your attention in verse 12 where he says, having no hope and without God in the world. Let's pray. Lord, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you for the privilege of being here today. Thank you, God, for what we have felt already. I'm asking God now that you will use us to deliver what you would have spoken today. Speak and touch every heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you on the subject title today, Without God, You Have No Hope. Without God, You Have No Hope. Paul writing to the church in Ephesians, Ephesus, a Gentile church, one that he had set up and ordained. And he told them in verse 11, he said, Wherefore remember? He said, I want you to think about something. I want you to remember something. Where you come from. Where God had brought you from. Think back about that. And he told them about the situation, about being without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise. He said, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, those of us who are privileged to live on this side of the cross enjoy the inclusiveness we share in the gospel, can't fully appreciate the opportunities we have been granted as being non-Jewish believers. Amen. I mean, this is all we've ever known. You've got every opportunity, every chance to receive as much from God as you want to receive. You've got every chance, every opportunity, amen, to get as close to God as you desire to get. And it's always been there your whole life. It's always been there my whole life. So we really, truly can't imagine what it was like on the other side of Calvary. Before Jesus came 
and died. The term elect of God that you find in the Bible under the Old Testament was applied to Jews only. All through the Old Testament scripture, when you talk about the elect of God, you were only talking about Jews. They was the only ones considered his elect. Amen. Gentiles was not included in that. Those who were fortunate enough to have been born in the bloodline of the children of Abraham. Gentiles was considered far off in terms of being able to approach God and receive any of the promises of God's covenant with Abraham. But now the church, oh hallelujah, is made up of Jews and Gentiles, bond and free, and all are designated as the elect of God. Can you give God some praise of that? Hallelujah. So we really don't understand what it's like any other way. There is a, a term that you hear a lot today, and there is a lot of truth involved in that. And that term is white privilege. And that is used to show how that a time in this country where if you were born white, you had all the privileges and you had all the advantages. Um, I can't relate to that. I don't understand that because, well, but I'm old enough to remember going down to downtown Nashville and the old farmer's market and the agricultural building that was built there and seeing four sets of bathrooms and over the door on one, uh, white men only, uh, black men only, same thing with women. And they were water fountains downtown that had over there whites only. Now, I'm an old railroad buff, my dad being a railroad worker for 40 years. And we uh, went down to Chattanooga a few years back. And um, best I can remember, I think that was the time that we, that, that, that Chloe went with us. And we went down and got on that old train that they have down there that, that runs and makes a tour. And it brought back my mind how it used to be. As I sat there in that old car, several years old, I noticed that overhead at the end of it, um, it, it, it said, colors only in this car. And, wow. I think about if I had been born a different color than white, and I'd been outside in the hot weather like we've been experiencing, and I'm about to die of thirst, 
and I want desperately to get a drink of good cold water out of the water fountain, but the sign says whites only. You see, I never experienced that. I can't relate to it. And whether or not, and I know, I don't know why because it's the truth, but there's still a lot of white people in, in the South that kind of rubs them raw when you talk about it, but it's true there was a time in this country that if you were born white, you had all the privileges. You had all the advantages. Now, I said that to say this. There was a time that if you was born of the children of Abraham and you was a Jew, you had all the advantages. You had all the privileges. If you wanted to approach God, you could approach God any time you wanted to. Amen. You could receive from God. But if you was not Jewish, if there wasn't Jewish blood running through your veins, you did not have any hope. If I need to fall down at the altar and talk to God right now, I can do so. You can do so. I don't know what it's like not to be able to do that. Hallelujah. And that is one reason why I think sometimes we all take advantage of what we've got so good a thing offered us today. Hallelujah. you got this great power of God. you got this plan of salvation. Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost within you. Amen. That you can go to God. You begin to speak in that heavenly language. Glory to God. We've got it, but we don't use it like we should. Hallelujah. We take for granted the blessings that God has for us. I've got to move on. Please understand this. If you were born, and I'm going to reiterate this, if you were born before the death of Jesus, you would be without God and without hope. Because without God, you have no hope. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, without God, you have no hope. Hallelujah. Without God, you have no hope. There's no hope whatsoever. Of those people in the world, those who don't know the Lord, could that brings me to the focus of my message today. If you have not been born again, and you don't maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are still living as all those Gentiles born under the law. Do you follow me? If you hadn't been born again, if you hadn't repented of your sins, amen, had the sins remitted, amen, by the baptism in his name, filled with the Spirit, there ain't no difference in you than all the other Gentiles who lived on the other side of the cross because you don't have any hope. Hallelujah. You're without God, and without God there is no hope. Hope is defined, now listen to me. Hope is defined as having a sense of anticipation or expectation. 
holding confidence toward something to look forward to. Hallelujah. Talking about what hope is. Having confidence, having confidence. Amen. Toward something to look forward to. You know, I can remember as a child, I used to look forward to Christmas and all the holidays. When I was a kid, you used to think when you're a kid, man, Christmas time ain't going to never get here. But when you get older and they start, you go to the store and you start seeing decorations put up, you said, oh, Lord, not again. I'm not out of debt for, I'm not out of debt for the previous year. It's amazing how it comes along quicker when you're older. So we all have things that we look forward to. Children look forward to Christmas. Workers look forward to payday. Amen. And if you're really truly Christian, you look forward to the return of Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You keep your eye to the eastern sky. Hallelujah. Every time a cloud runs by, you wonder, is he going to step out on that cloud? Hallelujah. Glory to God. We have something to look forward to. But I want to tell you today, if you don't know the Lord, there's nothing really you got to look forward to. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have nothing to look forward to. I want to talk uh, briefly about the human if I syndrome. Take a, take a look at there on the screen. What in the world am I talking about here? The human if I syndrome. The if I syndrome has struck virtually every human being Born since Adam. I've never met somebody yet that wasn't bit by it in one way or the other. You know the phrase, come on, you know the phrase. If I could land the better job and make a certain amount of dollars, or if I could only pay this mortgage off, Somebody know what I'm talking about? If I could build a strong 401k, my retirement would be set. And so it's a broken record all through our life playing over and over and over again in our mind. If I, if I, that really sums up the hope of man in this life. Hallelujah. That really sums up our, our life just as human beings. But at the end of the day, 
if you achieve every one of those if I's, what have you really accomplished? Think about it. Maybe you achieved most of those if I's that you have had in your life. I've known a few of them. Amen. I can remember working on a job when Sister Darlene and I got married in 1972. And my pay scale was $1.82 an hour. And I heard of somebody make, working on a job making $3 an hour. Now, with that, now, now stop and think. On that $1.82 an hour, I paid house rent. I paid all utilities, bought groceries, everything else that I'd done. Of course, my house rent wasn't but $75 a month. Back then, if you lived in Metro Nashville, the water bill and sewer bill was so small that you didn't get one but every three months. Every three months is when you got a water bill. I did all that with that 182. And I heard of somebody, though, on a job making $3 an hour. And here the old if I syndrome hit me. And I thought, oh, man, if I could only land a job making $3 an hour, I would be set for the rest of my life. Brother Jeff, within a year's time, I, I changed jobs, and, and I got that job. I think it was $3.15 an hour. Oh, hey, we're in the money. We're in the money. But you know what the sad part about my story is, Brother Bobby? I found I found out it looked like I was getting by better at a dollar eighty two than it was just three dollars. Because the more you earn, the more you're gonna spend. And the more you're gonna need. I passed that three dollars an hour a long time ago, but I guarantee you I ain't never said if I anymore on that. Glory. Hallelujah. If I if I, if I, but at the end of the day, if you achieve those if I's, what have you accomplished? Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37. Let's see what it says. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What if you get all of those IFs? But at the end of the day, what have you benefited from that? What have you achieved from that? Jesus asked that question. 
What kind of profit are you going to have? What have you gained? If you have the whole world, if you got all them IS, but you lose your soul in the process. I'm moving on quickly because of my time. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater. Think about that. What's that song that... um, Came out a few years ago as a country song um, about keeping up with the Joneses. It's time we get back to the basics. Amen. Talking about we're so tired keeping up with the Joneses. Three car garage and still adding on. Hallelujah. He said, so I'm going to add on. I'm going to tear those barns down. I'm going to build this. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. Next verse. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your easy drink and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Without God, you have no hope. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care how big a house you own. Hallelujah. And what else you're able to achieve. You still are hopeless. Hallelujah. glory. I I don't want to quit without telling you something about the comments of a man who gained it all. He gained it all. I mean, this man, this man could have bought and paid for President Trump. Bill Gates, and all the rest of them. Nobody had ever achieved what this man had done. He, he, he achieved all his, if only I or I if, whatever. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Written by Solomon. The wisest and wealthiest king that ever has lived. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with myrrh. Notice that phrase, test. He said, I'm going to find out what I can get, what I can do that will satisfy me. I'm going to test and find out what will make it all matter. What is it can I get in this world 
that will be lasting, and I can have it forever. He started out with pleasure. He said, therefore enjoy pleasure. But surely, he said, this also it was vanity, emptiness, barrenness, no, no substance to it. I said laughter, madness, a myrrh. What does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine, why I got in my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under the heaven all the days of their life. Listen to what he said in verse 4. I made my works great. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. And I planted all kind of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants. I had the servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of all herds, flocks, and all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasure of kings and other provinces. I acquired male and female singers, delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So became I great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, whether my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Notice that. Whatever I saw, I wanted I got it. I took it. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. Mm. He went all out. Hallelujah. If I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I've read it, but he, he married 300 wives and 700 concubines he had. I got a question whether or not he's the wisest man that ever lived or not. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Down through the years, I have been called in to the death of a lot of people. People who were poor, maybe didn't have $100 to their name when they died. And I, I, I was called in, I've been called in to the death of those who had anything they wanted, could buy it. But when all is said and done, the man who died a pauper and the man who died with great wealth ended up the exact same way. They both went in a six-foot deep hole in the ground. As the scripture says, naked they were when they come out of the mother's womb and naked they went when they went back. Had nothing. It don't matter. I read an article not long ago uh, I worked for state industries uh, several years ago for about 13 years. And the Lindahl brothers was the one who, 
who built that place. John R. Lindahl, uh, he, uh, he made multi-millions of dollars. And at one time was one of the biggest water heater factories, uh, not only in the United States, but in the world. It didn't matter where you went and bought a water heater, it was built there. I always got tickled at people who say, well, I ain't going nowhere but buying the Kenmore. Nothing. At that time, Kmart's were selling water heaters. People think of getting something better by going and buying a Kenmore from Sears and paid two or three hundred dollars more. And here we are on the semi line building hot water heaters. And we get so many for, for Kmart, they stop the line and they have the guy roll back away from the line, the labels that say Kmart, and then pushes up on the line labels that said Kenmore. Start the line. Same doggone heaters, but now the Kenmores. I saw that. I experienced that. I know that's how it was. The same thing with all of them. Ace Hardware, any of them. It all came from the plant in Ashton City. But Lindahl, he, he made that fortune. So he got it on. And I read something about a month ago. It amazed me. That man has been dead for several years now, and his kids and grandchildren are still in the courts fighting over his fortune that he made. So you kill yourself over the almighty dollar to have something, and you do away with God, and don't think about God, and, and don't spend out of your family or nothing else. But when, when you, the breath leaves your body, none of that matters no more. Somebody else is just going to be left behind for somebody else to fuss and fight over. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. In closing, after all has been said, without God, you have no hope. Without God, you've got nothing to look forward to. Without God, there is nothing in this world you can count on. There have been people who have committed suicide over the, fa uh, over the uh, uh, past few years who had worked almost all their life building up the four old Ks and that first tumble that took a few years back lost it all overnight. They didn't have no hope. They didn't have nothing to look forward to. They wound up killing themselves. There's nothing, what I'm trying to say here, there's nothing you can count on. There's nothing you can really believe in other than Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Whether you die rich or a pauper, you end up the same. Whether you live a life, some people are blessed to live their whole life and never get sick. Never have to be in the hospital all their life. 
I don't care if you never even get a runny nose and you live to be 70 or 80 years older or, or later. I don't care how healthy you've been. Something is going to go wrong in your body that's going to make that heart quit ticking. You're going to die of something. So whether you live life never sick, you're still going to die. The conclusion is your only hope is in Jesus. The brother studied well a while ago in his testimony. He didn't know what I was going to be preaching on, but the Lord did. I've never... I've never had a lot in this world. I mean, Lord, my children, all three of them, surpass making the money that I ever made all my life. And it wasn't the fact that I didn't work. I worked hard. I've worked as many as two full-time jobs at one time to make ends meet. But I never was fortunate enough to get the higher-paying job. One reason why I made a mistake by dropping out of school didn't get my diploma, and that's something that followed me, that hurt me. I finally went back, and I finally got it. I got, I got the, took the GED, and I got that. But hey, now I'm over 60 years old. <laughs> you know, I mean, and um, those are paying the high bucks. They're looking for somebody younger now. There's some things you can wait too late on. But let me tell you this, as everybody stands. Don't wait too late on making your calling and election sure in the sight of God. Good friend of mine I used to work with, <laughs> he, had a, he had a saying, he was all the time saying this. His last name, his last name was Holiday, so you can you can guess what everybody gave him the nickname. Me and, me and old Doc was talking one day. He looked at me and he just shook his hand. He was frustrated about something. He said, just forget it, preacher. He said, because we ain't going to get out of this world alive anyway. And that was a prophetic word, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's, that's what I've been trying to preach. I can't, I can't offer you no hope in nothing else other than Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen in this old world. Our, our government, man, is crumbling in on itself. They can't do nothing no more for hatred and fighting and it's spilling out into the streets with the average citizens. There ain't no hope you can find nowhere. You better make sure you got God because without Him, you'll have no hope. Hallelujah.